Welcome to the Frontline Industry Podcast, where the best of the best executives from around the world share their leadership advice and insights, giving you practical tips and strategies that you can take and immediately implement in your teams and organizations to help you become the leader you want to be. On today's episode, Leaders See Innocence, I talk with Derek Tufts. VP of HR at Spartan Nash, a food solutions company committed to fostering a people-first culture with over 17,000 associates. Derek gives his best advice if you want to get promoted, the importance of active listening, heartwarming stories about fatherhood, how to choose to see the best in others, and much more. Don't go anywhere. The Frontline Industry Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Frontline Industry Podcast. My name is Joel, and my guest today is Derek Tufts. He's a long-time retail industry veteran with nearly 25 years of work in HR. He's got a proven track record of working with the front line and has worked with leaders of all levels to build winning teams focused on people. His experience includes working for large retailers like Toys R Us and Office Max, and he currently works for Spartan Nash as the Vice President of Human Resources supporting frontline associates in retail and supply chain, serving over Get this, 17,000 associates. He believes in being accountable to yourself before you can be accountable to others. And uh, all these things and more will, I'm sure, inform quite a great conversation today. Derek, welcome to the Frontline Industry Podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Joel. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you could be here too. Uh, We met a while back, month, month or two ago. And uh, I've been thinking about this podcast uh, ever since, I think with the the experience you have, particularly in retail, where I spent uh, six, seven, eight years of my early career, uh, we're going to have a robust conversation today. I love frontline teams. I love retail. I'm passionate about those individuals who are the face of the company, and I know you are too. So I guess as we begin, Derek, you have spent a quarter of a century in <laughs> HR. And why do you like it so much? Why do you love it? Why is it the place that you have kind of put a stake in the ground and said, this is who you're going to be? I I think early in my career, it was, you know, you're, I'm going to conquer the world and I'm going to do all these things and all these great ambitions. And and I think life and work experiences um, have kind of evolved about how I uh, believe in it. Like to me, I feel my job is to, you know, I, I use the word leave a footprint a lot, like make a difference with people and change their lives, change their outlook, get them to look at things differently. Um, you know, people always assume the worst, right. And, and in most cases, people lead with positive intent, like they want to do good and they want to do good work. And, and to me, it's, it's helping leaders at all levels and even our frontline associates when you're dealing with difficult situations to help them, kind of slow down and look at the whole picture before they jump to this is what I know you wanted or what you wanted to do, if that makes sense. So I think yeah. to me, it's about making a difference with people. How often do you get a chance to be out there in the field and really interact with those frontline associates? Uh, <laughs> not as much as I would like to. I mean, we've had a pretty big agenda in our organization um, the last couple of years, but I I I am frequently interacting with the district managers or our HR business partners, mostly in HR. I mean, I'm I'm constantly interacting with our business partners that are out there in the front line. And if I can help lift them to be successful in what they're doing now in my role, 
Um, that's what's critical. Help them to look at the whole picture because it's so easy. If say you're dealing with an employee situation, it's so easy to kind of, you know, jump right to, well, this is what I think happened. Right. And my role is really to help them look at all sides of things before we start making decisions. And, um, I think the many years of experience have prepared me for what I do today. Throughout our careers and, and maybe you'd agree, there are, these kind of jolts of um, these moments that kind of define your path Mm -hmm. These instances of time that kind of give you that booster shot for the next year, five years, 10 years and go, this is why I do what I do. This is the thing. Right. And, and if you had too many of them, it'd almost be overwhelming because we can't live in those highs forever. Um, Mm -hmm. What are, an example or two of maybe some of those experiences in your life where like that was, I will never forget that moment. This is why I have stuck it out and continue to do what I do every day. Um, I think there's, I think there's lots of examples. I think one of the things when you, when you said, you know, 25 years, I'm like, man, I've been doing this a long time. Um, I think when I look and reflect and I think of people that have either been on my team or reported to me, and I see where they're at today. Those are the things that like make me super personally proud. And I'm not a self promoter. I'm all, I'm about doing what's right to support the team. But when I see people that work for me in HR that are now VPs and other companies um, or people that were store managers that are district managers or regional managers or people that I've seen, you know, grow from an hourly position into a store manager role and really help them build a career because you can have an amazing career working in the front line. You can, you can go wherever you want to go. I mean, I started as a manager trainee in retail (laughs) a long time ago, worked in operations and uh, my rate of pay was $13 an hour. (laughs) So, and I, I know, and I look back and I reflected like how I've grown my, my career, my life and how I'm be able to provide for my family and, and, and do the things that I do. I think those are critical. I also think I would add that I think there's some personal things that, that also reflect. And I know you and I talked a little bit about this. You know, I have one, one child, he's 24 years old. He's a type one diabetic. Hmm. Um, he was diagnosed at the age of three. And I will tell you, I am a very super, I am super patient person at this point phase of my life. But I think when I was younger, I wasn't patient and being a dad and also working in HR has taught me patience and those life learnings. Um, Being a type one diabetic when you're a kid is not fun and the emotions of behavior are up and down and they test dad and mom's patience, right? Like, what am I doing wrong? Um, But he also taught me how to persevere. My son has taught me how to persevere. Like he never let anything get in his way. He was an all-state athlete, played lots of sports, never, you know. And one of the things I always instilled with him, like be the hardest working kid in the room. And he always believed in that. And, you know, and to me, it like just showed me like, even when I'm having a bad day, I need to show up. And I try to show up every day with the same attitude, same mindset. And and I honestly, I think life and work and all those things kind of kind of make you who you are that makes sense. It's humbling when we start learning some of those life lessons from our own kids. Yeah. And and you see it and you're like, oh, man, like you are now beginning to inspire me to be different, to be better, uh, to yeah, elevate yeah. my own 
mentality, view of the world, performance, character, even maybe an example of one of the harder things you've had to push through that that perseverance kind of paid off, maybe a, a an opportunity or a challenge in your career that you had to face that really because of that lesson learned of that patience and perseverance, you were able to kind of push through. Um, I, I think this is, you know, I'm a, as you and I've talked, like, I think one of the big things is being me and being who I am. I've experienced good, bad. I've had tough experiences in my life. Um, about 10 years ago, I was working at office max and they went through a merger with office Depot. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment in time that, you know, basically I was like, Hey, they were like, Hey, your job's being moved to Southern Florida. And you've, you know, basically your role is going to be eliminated or you can consider moving to Florida. My son was starting high school and I'm like, I'm not doing that to my family. My, 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 my wife's mom was here because her dad had passed away. We we were helping with that. And to me, that was like a moment where I really, I think I changed a lot because I put my family first. I made a decision. I took a step back in my role, what I did. Um, But it also was, somewhat humbling because it changed, you know, things that I was going through. And to me, then I started looking differently about my career. Like I want to work for an organization that cares about their people, that cares about their associates. I want, you know, so it just was a lot of things to me that I think made me a better dad, a better husband, a better person. Um, because I was like, always like, man, eh, no one's ever, nothing's ever going to get in my way. Nothing's ever going to stop me. Yeah. Um, and I think just through time, it, it you know, transpired to get me to where I'm at today. I think one of the big ones was when I decided to come to Spartan Nash. I lived in the Detroit area my whole life, and it was a life-changing moment to move to Grand Rapids, Michigan, two and a half hours away from all my, all my friends, my family. Um, but if I didn't do that, you know, I always believe like things happen for a reason. Like if I didn't make that decision, it was one of the toughest decisions I ever made. I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And I, I feel like personally, internally, like I am the best version of myself. And I've been able to experience a lot of amazing things with Spartan Ash and also contribute in a, the highest of levels and make a difference um, with people. So I think sometimes you have those moments and times uh, that help you get there. So. What's one of the more proud moments so far at Spartan Nash since that move that you're like, yeah, I mean, you just mentioned being the best version of yourself. This is an example of that. Um, I think when I look at my my team, like my team's kind of changed this year, like I've, I've expanded, but I supported retail when I came here. But when I look at my team that I support 10 business partners um, at different levels and then the corporate team and there's like, it. it's just a, such an amazing group of people and it's taken time for us to cultivate and get there. But if one person has a problem or needs to like a family issue, the other person steps in or they help each other out. Someone wants to, you know, do some training. Well, let me help you with that. Like there's just mm-hmm. such an amazing sense of teamwork and support within that group. And we've all worked in organizations where like, oh, I'm not working with this and I'm not doing that. Like we have an amazing sense of team. And I think a lot of that comes from just all of us being authentic and being who we are. And I make mistakes every day, Joel. Like, I I mean, I have a lot on my plate, but part of being trusted with your people and people listening to you is 
is being honest. Like if they ask me something, Hey, Derek, did you find out about this? And I'm like, mm, no, I didn't yet. Sorry, but I will put it on my priority list to get to it. You build trust and credibility instead of like, you know, giving it lip service and not being honest with people. And I think that's helped create that. Ex- I created that expectation with them too, with the stores they su- they support. So they each support 2000 people and a couple district managers each. So Amazing culture with the team, very supportive. And to me, that's one of the things I'm most proud of. And I think the second one would be our perseverance through COVID and a pandemic in a retail industry and the hours that that team and all of us, you know, not even just my team, but our frontline associates, our district managers, our store managers, just to keep our stores open, to keep the stores safe, to take care of our people. And um, I look back at that and I'm like, wow, like, that was like like two two plus years, and I'm like it went by so fast. Um, but I think that also created a culture within our team too, because we all supported each other during a very challenging time. Hmm. There are, as I mentioned in the intro, around seventeen thousand associates at Spartan Nash, which is a, a hefty chunk of people. I mean, that is a lot yeah. of folks, and odds are one of them or more will listen to this podcast. It'll trickle down. Someone yeah. will find out. It's pretty rare that a frontline associate has more than a cursory conversation with a VP in a company yeah. of your size. Uh, they're separated by three, four, five, six la- layers of individuals between them and you. But, but based on this authenticity, this vulnerability, this trust that you have tried to cultivate with your business partners, your team, and, and of course, trickling down to the, the areas that they work for and with, what's something that you would tell a frontline associate at Spartan Nash? That if you were in a, a closed room, just you and them, and you could pour into them, what's something that you would tell them? I, th- I think some couple of things like, I mean, be the change that you want to see, like, you know, be you, um, be authentic, um, be the hardest working person. Cause the, the phrase an HR leader always gets is like, how do I make more money? How do I earn? How do I grow? Well, ask to learn, like be inquisitive, ask questions, take on more responsibility, ask, like be the first person to say, if you need more help, can I, what can I do to help you? Um, you know, always have a positive attitude. You like, you know, you, you, you wake up every day, you can choose your attitude. You can either be happy and, and like move forward and make your day what you want it to be. Or I can get up like, Oh God, I got to go to work. And Oh God, I got to do this. And, uh, and then I got to go to the grocery store and all this stuff. Like you got to choose your attitude. And like, to me, I, I, I just try to be positive every day, even on my tough days and, Sometimes I use humor to make it positive. Like I'll make fun of myself. Like, I mean, that's humor and, and humility with your team too goes a long way. Yeah. So I think just telling people to be authentic and work hard and ask good questions and, and good things will happen and good things will come for you. Um, but you, you got to put the effort in too. Like you got to show up every day. Yeah. You know, you yeah. Know what I mean, you, there's no, if that may, I hope I'm probably rambling, but I hope I make no. sense to what I'm saying. It's so true because I think, you know, in, in the context of retail, especially, and, and again, I have that that background myself early in my career, retail, you, you have to slog through some days. Mm-hmm. It is it is hard to show up. It is hard to have 
a good attitude sometimes. It's hard to feel like what you do matters, makes a difference, is noticed, is valued. And it's a, a strength and a cultivated gift to be able to still show up in that atmosphere and yeah. turn it on and execute and do a great job and serve customers well and be a servant leader to those peers around you and ask for more responsibility. Like everything you just mentioned, it, it is an evidence of character more than anything else. Yeah. It's an yeah. evidence of who you are. And by virtue of who you are, the ability to show up and push through those challenges amidst, you know, an atmosphere where you could put your head down and not be noticed and maybe, maybe make it through that shift but to put your head up and look for opportunities to serve, look for opportunities to yeah. be excellent at what you do. I don't think it's out of line to say those people are noticed very quickly. Absolutely. And those people are the ones who get the opportunities to become uh, supervisors and managers and district managers and work their way up because we rarely hire, at least in good companies, we rarely hire the people who just have tenure and have worked there a long time you could be there for six months, nine months and have an incredible work ethic and great attitude and great character and get elevated very quickly yeah, because yeah. those are the people who can make an impact in those around them and hopefully lift yeah. others up to be like that. So yeah. I, you know, I, I remember how hard it was for me until I changed my attitude and thought, I'm just going to service every customer in here and care about them as people, as individuals. And yeah. I was in retail sprint and AT&T back in early my career. Yeah. I turned into marriage counselor. I turned <laughs> into rock climbing enthusiast. I turned into competitive yoga instructor. Like I just, I entered into the lives of every customer and by, and by actually caring, and you talk about the importance of actually caring and, and being there for people, yeah. but actually caring, my shift flew by and actually executed at a very high level mm -hmm. because I wasn't there just to do the job. I was there to invest. And my yes. heart came out of that. So, you know, that's that's what I would tell, similar to you, just in my own words, those frontline associates listening at Spartan Nash, you know, as you mentioned, be you, care about others and and execute because you legitimately want to do a great job. You'll be noticed by virtue of that. You don't have to try right. it beyond that. Right. And we've had people in our company or even in, in my, our HR team that have left and then called and said, Hey, I made a big mistake. And there were good, good performers. And we brought, we've brought some back. And I think a lot of it has to do with, like, I tell people all the time, like companies are companies. It's the culture of the organization. Like you, you can go work for, you can change jobs seven times, but culture is, is king, right? You, you, you've got to enjoy what you're doing. You got to feel like you're growing. You got to feel like you're making an investment that people care about you. Um, you know, I can transport myself into 10 different companies. And what I'm getting right now, currently, um, we talk about people first all the time, but our, our leaders live it and we believe it. We care about people and we're invested in helping develop them and we want to listen. And I think, you know, I think the one thing I would add to Joel, it's kind of similar to it is I've probably had hundreds of conversations with associates that that are not happy or they're frustrated or they don't like what's going on. Sometimes like part of being honest is like asking the question right to them, well, why are you not happy? And if you're not happy, you should probably find something that's going to make you happy. Um, but how do I help that make that happen here? And sometimes it's just like, 
I don't like what I'm doing. Well, then why are you doing it? Go do something that you're going to enjoy and that where you can grow and that you can learn. And usually you can cultivate those conversations into winning ones where like, wow, they really do care about me. They want me to grow. They want me to, to learn. And I think sometimes people just avoid the, the difficult conversation. You have to ask the question. Yeah. 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 No, it's so true. The, now that I'm thinking about this, the, the frontline role or any role, like when you put together a job description, mm-hmm. it's really like the bare minimum of what we need you to do yep. to yep. pay you, right? And yep. to keep you here. And I think, and maybe this is a Gen Z or maybe even younger millennial thing. Yeah. There seems to be a perception that, well, I'm doing the job that you asked me to do. And therefore, by virtue of doing that job, I should get more opportunity. Right. And, and the reality is, that's the bare minimum that we have to keep you here. It's those right, right. who look for additional opportunities to take on more, as you say. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, I'm not getting paid for that. No, you're not. But it's paving <laughs> your way to make more. Right. And that investment doesn't come necessarily in three months, six months. And yet you have this, maybe you guys don't, but most retail has a huge amount of turnover in the first 90 days. Yeah. And it's we like, measure 90 day retention. Yeah. Yes. And you're like at 90 days, you're just getting your feet underneath you mm-hmm. it's after 90 days where you take off and know what you're doing. and can operate at a level of excellence and begin to get noticed. You have no idea what would happen at month six if you just right. crushed it after month three. <laughs> and right. so I, I would encourage anyone listening who's in the front lines to, to push through, take on more because by, by virtue of just sticking it out and doing a great job, like I said, you're, you're going to be noticed and you're gonna have a lot of opportunity ahead of you. Um, Derek, you, you talked about leadership qualities earlier. Mm-hmm. As you reflect, maybe your perception of what makes a great leader has changed as you've gotten older. I know it has for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think early in my career, I thought you had to have all the answers. You had to have it all figured out. You had to be this yeah. beacon of knowledge for everyone around you. Um, but it's changed quite a bit as I've gotten older, especially in the last 15 years. How would yep. you describe the qualities of a great leader? A um, couple of things I think I said, but number one is being transparent. Like you have to be, you have to be you. Um, I think I said this to you when we first met, like um, I am myself at home. I'm the same person at home. I'm the same person at work. I'm the same person managing a difficult situation, working with an employee. You have to be authentic and transparent. Like you have to be totally honest. It's the only way that you're going to um, help progress and move forward. Um, you have to tell it like it is. And I've, I've been telling my new members of my team and my team this um, quite a bit this year. I'm like, tell me what I need to hear, not what you think I need to hear. And, you know, I think that's part of like bu- building credibility and trust. Like, I'm not like, I'm not this, oh, I have this position and, you know, just tell me what you think I want. Like, no, I need you to tell me what the challenges are so that we can hit them head on so that we can get better as a team and as an organization. So I think transparency, being authentic. Um, and then I think one of the big ones too, is if you, if you tell someone you're going to do so, something, you, you need to do it. And then if you, if you miss or you drop the ball or you fumble, pick the ball up, admit the mistake, and then work to resolve it. And I think, uh, I think that's a, that's something sometimes is missing in the world. Like people don't admit to making a mistake. You have yeah, it, and maybe it's because they're afraid, like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Like, you know, <laughs> like, no, no, just tell it like it is. Right. And I think those are critical things to me 
that are really important. And I think, you know, genuinely caring and have an interest in what your people are doing and what they, what's important to them. Like uh, we're get, we just had this discussion about performance reviews. Like we're getting going into our performance cycle and we see a big opportunity about how some leaders handle those discussions and how do we do that? Like I want to, we're talking about building out like a, a simple one pager for our leaders to talk to, to also have career discussions. Like hmm. what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to learn next year? What did you learn this year? What are you most proud of this year? Like what, where did we, where did we fail? How do we move forward? It's not, a, and then, cause a lot of times leaders will say like, Oh, Hey, you, you hit your sales, you know, your, your service scores were good, you know, and then they, there's no, that stuff's important, but it's, it's more about the, the dialogue with the person and, you, yeah. you know, and understanding what's important to that. Right. So um, transparency, being authentic, being a good listener. That's one of my biggest personal challenges because I have so much stuff going on all the time. Phones going off, emails, someone's walking into my office, whatever. Um, I always like, I, I love, like if I could give some recommend, you know, advice to people is like responsive listening. Like if you're not sure what someone said, restate what they said to you. So you have full understanding. Yeah. Because that happens to me all the time. Someone comes in and they're talking so fast and I think I heard them. But I'm, but I really didn't. So if I ask them back, you know, what I mean, then sometimes I oh, go, "Oh, now I understand why you're so concerned." Right? I mean, those are important, all important things to me. And I think I've learned all that for many, many, many years of conversations. How would you describe the difference between being transparent and sharing too much? I don't really view that as a personal concern of mine. I, I just firmly feel and being honest with people like that goes a long way. Um, it, it helps. I think it just builds the credibility and trust. Like I can't tell you lots of people will come to me and like, Hey, do you have five minutes? I just want to talk to you about this. Or it could be an associate that wants to talk about their manager and I'm not connecting with them. Can you give me some thoughts? I'm just don't know what to do. Like, I think I don't see that as an an issue. Like I love to just use personal examples when I talk to associates about things like, cause we're all human beings. Yeah. Every manager, every VP, you know, executive member, they're all human beings. They all have kids. They all have families. They all seem the same challenges. They all go cook out on their grill on the weekends or they entertain their family. Like we're all people. And I think those are, I don't see that as a concern. So I, I, <laughs> I so I, I am fully with you. And that's why I didn't want to share my thoughts before. <laughs> I, I'm fully with you. I mean, in the last four months, I have probably shared, I know, okay, hold on, let's think about this. I have shared about my own marital challenges at different times in my life. I've shared about my struggles of being a father. I've shared about failures professionally. And, and like, there are people who I've worked for that I don't even know their spouse's name, mm-hmm. let alone how, you know, six years yeah. ago they wanted to get a divorce or whatever. Like th- that, those are some deep things to share. But to your point, it humanizes us so quickly. Yeah. And it's pretty rare. In fact, I don't even have a, an example in my mind where someone shares something that deep and personal with me and my respect is lowered. It's only mm-hmm. heightened. It's only growing mm-hmm. because of that because mm-hmm. we can care about the individual 
and enter into their lives at a human personal level. And that's going to have a natural outpouring and implication in the quality of their work generally. Yes. As yeah. long as they're people of good character to begin with. And then, yeah. but if you go the other way around and only care about the performance numbers, your customer satisfaction scoring, your whatever it may be, your medallia uh, breakdown of scoring in your organization or, or what have you, that doesn't have any implication to you connecting with them as a person. And so I, I think it's great that that's a value you have, Derek. Yeah, I, I would just add that I think another reason why that's critical and I don't see that as an issue is like you build comfort with people where they can share things with you. Mm -hmm. And I'll just bring the topic up of mental health. Like mm. I, I, I think in my life, like my personal life, I've had some things with my family with mental health things that have happened. And um, we had, I've had many situations where there was something with an associate or it might not be me that's handling, could be a member of my team that's handling, but we help guide and ask the right questions. And we really open up a situation where we can help someone like they genuinely need help. Yeah. And if you don't do what we just talked about, your people won't talk to you. You have to have credibility and, um, so I think those things are really, to me, um, a big part of my life and have helped make get me to where I'm at and what I try to instill and inspire with the people that I work with. Like there's good in everyone. And sometimes people just need help and they, they might not have a support mechanism in their life and they just need someone to listen. Right. So, hmm. um, to me, those are, those are critical elements that tie into this very well. Derek, what's something that you believe at the core of who you are that if everyone else believed too, you think would make this world a better place? One of the phrases I love to use when I do training and stuff, and I like to I like to live this too, is like see innocence. Like huh. you have to like when I say see innocence, you have to understand that someone comes to you, I'll use a personal example. I'll use my son. Like if he's upset or agitated or angry about something that happened at his job or when he was in school or when he played sports with his coach, right? You have to take a minute to like see innocence and why he's concerned and frustrated. And usually after he self-reflects, he's part of the problem, <laughs> right? Like how he reacted. <laughs> so, but sometimes you like help people like see innocence in situations like, Go into things with positive intent. Don't assume the worst in people. Look for the good. Ask the right questions, right? And I think if you do that and you have that right mindset, you'll build a lot of trust and credibility and you help drive change with people. Um, they can really make an impact in their lives, right? Mm. So, I mean, at the core of everything I do, I'm a dad more than anything. And, um, you know, that helps me, I think, be uh, who I am at work too, so... Mm, that's really good, Derek. And uh, what we're over fifty podcasts in, and that's a that stands out to me as a, a fairly unique answer. See innocence, and uh, you know it, it makes me reflect on the reality that every one of our employees is coming to work with really difficult things, yeah, lives. Or if they aren't, they're about to, yeah. Uh, you know, my father passed away in the last month or two. You know, um, I'm struggling. These are real things for me. You know, I'm struggling with what it means yeah. to 
to connect with my son and find common interests together and bond. You know, mm-hmm. my wife's going through some health stuff that I'm trying to help her through. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm, you know, SVP of sales at our company and trying to grow our, our stuff. So I'm carrying all this weight on me of like, how do I help my team perform? And you can't just leave that stuff. That's like everything I am, right? This everything yeah. I'm going through. You know, to walk through the door at work or through the door of your house into your office and, and just leave that. Like it yeah. impacts your thoughts throughout the day. And if we're not entering holistically into relationships with people, if we're not able to to see innocence and see the the person for all that they are and all they're going through and assume, as you mentioned, good intentions and the best out of them, as soon as we start assuming the worst, we've lost that battle. Yeah. I, I would just add to that, like when I when you did that intro, you talked about be accountable to yourself so you can be accountable to others. Like that's part of that, the seeing innocence. Like um, I am harder on myself than anyone ever will be. And I, I'm always thinking about situations or reflecting and things. And um, so if you, if you hold yourself accountable to an expectation or a standard, you're going to deliver. Right. So I hold myself accountable if I come home and say I'm I'm tired and I had a bad day and I walk in the door and I'm upset, and this is a story I've said a thousand times. I call it the kick the dog story. I come in the door, I say, what's for dinner? And then I yell at my son, have you done your homework? And then I, you know, kick the dog because they barked. And then where does everyone just disappears, right? And no one wants to talk to you. Son goes to his room. My wife goes upstairs. The dog runs and hides behind the couch. Like, yeah. Hold yourself accountable to your actions and your behavior when you come in. Even if I have a bad day, pause before you walk in and say the right thing. It's just like the Disney thing. Like, when they, you, you know, you're going on stage. They have mirrors and say, you know, you know, are you on re- stage ready? Like, yeah, you're is, is a leader, a parent, a person. You're you're always on stage. People are always observing how you act and behavior. So when part of saying being accountable to yourself, being be other accountable to others, you have to see innocence in why wasn't dinner ready and why maybe your kid hasn't finished his homework because he just had a really, you know, a bad sugar low as a diabetic, right? You got to like, you got to put things into perspective instead of just jumping to conclusion and all the life events like I've experienced have have taught me that. And Joel, like, I'm, you know, I'm relating to you. I feel, I'm sorry that you're, you know, went through what you're going through with your dad and that like a member of my team, his dad just passed away this week. And I feel at this time of year, it's always tough. Like, so, so you like see innocence and think about how people are feeling. And I've been, I've tried to be super open with him. Like, don't worry about this place. We'll take care of everything. Probably over communicating that to him. Yeah. yeah. Probably because I'm someone that went through that. Like I lost yeah. my dad 20 years ago and, um, <laughs> I, I, there's days I wish I could just say hi dad and hear his laugh and, or just say, you know, share where I've my family and where my son's at today and how we've grown and yeah right those are like things like so I, I hope i'm making sense and i'm resonating with with like if i can connect with a couple of people that do listen to this like and help drive that change like those are things that i it's taken me many years to get to where i'm at today in my space well i love the kick the dog story and <laughs> as we as we close you know to me that's a big takeaway for me today and a reminder that as a leader and for those listening too, if you walk into a room and your team scatters, yep. if you walk into a Zoom call and everyone's silence, and 
that 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 should be a warning sign to us that we've been kicking the dog a little bit too mm-hmm. often. And uh, or are they warm? Are they coming to us? Are they excited to see us? Are we bringing life to them versus sucking the life out of them? So, Derek, thank you so much for sharing your heart today, for sharing your passion for people and for transparency and authenticity and great leadership and for encouraging us to see the innocence around us. I I know I think this is one of your first, if not your only podcast so far. I hope you've enjoyed it because it's been a a pleasure to talk with you today. Yeah, it was it definitely a pleasure, but it's also honestly a, a great reflection and self reminder to yourself about some things. So I'll have my own takeaways from you and my and my same remi- good reminders to myself about things that are important. I'm grateful for our time together, and for those listening, I'm grateful for you joining us as well. Uh, I hope you feel empowered to see the innocence in those around you. You feel empowered to. Uh, not kick the dog, but to be transparent, (laughs) authentic, and vulnerable leader who brings life to those around you and uh, that you're able to build a legacy as a leader that way. So thank you for listening to another episode of the Frontline Industry Podcast, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Atana, providing leadership soft skills training and culturally transformative courses that will change your people and your company. Don't kick the dog. Boy, I'm going to take that one with me this week. I hope you do too. It's so hard to give our families our best when we get home, isn't it? It's so hard to leave work at work and just return home and be present. But it's also our job. And it's a job more important than anything that will happen at work. 